This is Nick Redding, and you're listening to PreserveCast, a podcast with a worldwide listenership that explores the broad world of preservation from every angle, from drones to mudlarking and everything in between. Now, let's get preserving. As a preservationist, I cut my teeth on battlefield preservation, working for what's today known as the American Battlefield Trust. I led an effort there, back about 10 years ago, to defeat a proposed Gettysburg Casino, so the idea of how we preserve and protect hallowed battlefields has always interested me. That's why when I heard about a controversial proposal to build a so-called D-Day land, I knew we had a good fit. And so on this week's PreserveCast, we're heading to the Bocage country to talk about heritage preservation with a French twist. This is Nick Redding, and you're listening to PreserveCast. And today we're very excited to be talking with two individuals from France um, all about uh, Normandy, D-Day, the history and legacy of these places, and a pretty controversial proposal um, for building something that both of the individuals we'll be talking with are opposed to, along with a number of other people in that community. And so we're speaking with Maxi Crossa. Um, who lives in um, Normandy, and we'll be speaking with her about that. And we're also speaking with Gailey Tishberek, um, who is uh, an, an American, um, but is living and has lived um, in France for many, many years. Um, and so we're going to be talking with both of them about this this project and sort of the legacy of something that is so important to not only the French people, but to the British people and certainly to the American people. So, but before we, we do that, it would be nice to know a little bit more about both of you um, and also your role in this project and how you got involved um, in preservation and um, fighting against this particular proposal. And we'll talk about this proposal, but to start, we wanna to get to know you a little bit. Um, so maybe Maxi, we could talk with you first um, where did you grow up? When did you get interested in history? And what is your role in this current effort? I grew up in the south of Western Germany in an American occupation zone near to the French zone. And I came to France in 79, where I'm still living now with a French passport. And I felt since every time living in history, because all Saturday evenings talks about war and post-war period. We got a lot of care packages. I still have remains of that. Then 61, Wall of Berlin. Then 63, Kennedy in Berlin. Then 68, Prague. Then 73 and 74, first petrol crisis beginning of ecological awareness, and then 89, fall of the Berlin Wall, and end of the Iron Curtain. So that's my historical uh, main point. And I got interested in things around me uh, in the medieval city where I did my studies, and I was the first time active in the struggle against uh, uh, for a very big street or road that should be made in the ancient city. Fantastic. So, Gay Lee, I'm curious, um, how long have you lived in this area and, and what is your involvement in the project? Okay. I came to, uh, first of all, I'm from California, from the Central Valley, Bakersfield. I came to, to Europe in 1971 
I first lived in Italy for seven years, and I moved up uh, to France, and I live mainly in Paris. And this particular town where, where I am now in Normandy is called Vers-sur-Mer. And I'm here because my husband, his, my husband's family had a second home uh, starting back in the 30s in this small community. This home was blasted to smithereens during the Second World War. And we now have a home that is actually situated on the road that the British troops took when they landed. They marched right up the hill and right in front of the house where we currently are. This house uh, was uh, paid for by the French government to replace this very large home that was blasted. Um, and I've been coming to this community for about 20 years. I'm retired now, and I spend, I would say, about between a quarter to a third of my life in this community. And I'm interested in this because um, we are perpetually surrounded by memories of this war. They are everywhere, absolutely everywhere. And just any more of this is just much too much. And so I'm stepping up to uh, to protest. We've just, we have too much. Interesting. Well, I mean, I think we'll dive right into this topic because it hasn't gotten a lot of press in, in the United States. And I, I think it should. And I'm glad that we're able to bring this story to our listeners. Um, so, I mean, Normandy, D-Day, the Bocage, um, these places, these terms, it, it holds a very special place in the hearts and minds of many Americans, myself included. So let's first talk about preservation in the area. And maybe we'll ask this of, of, of Maxie because she's so ingrained in the preservation work there. Just before we talk about the project and the controversy, let's just talk about preservation in general in the area. Are there rules and guidelines which protect this 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 place and i and i suppose as, as a follow up are you losing things is the is there I mean, beyond this controversy are there preservation challenges what is what does preservation look like in the normandy region perhaps firstly the preservation rules i was uh, i tried this morning to call administrations in order to know if there are special rules to preserve it, uh, the landings, the, the landing beaches, and I didn't get good answers. So I can say, I can give a typical Norman answer. Yes, there are protections, and no, there are no protections. Yes, so because we have a lot of cemeteries, and all the cemeteries are sponsored and administrated by the national uh, cemetery administrations. That's the first protection. Then uh, other things like um, German installations are not protected, are going lost slowly. Or the uh, French state gives money uh, there where French state hopes to have tourists. Maybe German batteries in Longue, they, they will make millions to uh, build them, to, to entertain it, uh, in order to keep tourists there. Then um, the littoral or the coast are generally protected by the coastal conservatory. That's a public administrative, administrative sorry, establishment of the state 
placed under the supervision of the minister responsible for the protection of nature. But it's nothing special for landing sites or battlefields. And then the third point, we have natural parks or preserved regions, but authorities tend not to respect that. So it's very mixed. And if we lose any resources, yes, we do. We lose farmhouses because we lose farms um, because of difficulties to maintain small farms. Uh, the farmers don't earn enough money. That's partially uh, the consequence of European agricultural politics and subventions. We lose landscapes, yes. I think we have uh, similar problems in Maryland and in Normandy because we have erosion of cliff lines and submergence of coast parts. We have two important artificialization roads, extension of villages, commercial centers, secondary residences. And we lose churches because uh, they are generally communal properties and communities don't give much money with the argument, we are a secular nation or a secular state, so we don't like us, we want to give a lot of money. That's the problem. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's interesting. There's a lot of similarities in the challenges um, between uh, you know our, our two nations, although I think a lot of people would imagine that a place so hollowed and so important as Normandy would have profound protection, and what you're describing is sort of a patchwork of that. Um, and maybe this is a good way to sort of segue into this conversation about and I can't even believe that they call it this D-Day land. Um, but let's talk about this proposal. Um, so um, first we'll go with Maxie, and then I, I want to get um, um, Gailey's, um opinion on this as, as a resident of this area. Um, what is the, maybe Maxie can lay this out for us first. What is the proposal? What actually are they proposing? Where would it be constructed um, and we'll talk about why you're opposed to it, but but what are the basics of this proposal? What would it actually look like if it were built? The basics are that the president of our region wants to have an event, a touristic attraction, in order to retain tourists for some days more in the region. On a 40-hectare site, a 40-year-style village or town would be built with military vehicles, London buses, and so on. Several huge hangars would be placed one after the other and used as performance halls. Visitors would arrive at the site from a train station and would be seated on a mobile grandstands built to accommodate around 700 spectators. The set grandstands would move forward taking them from hangar to hangar for a total of 700 or 1,000 meters. Within the halls would be video projections and troop of actors who will play the heroes of that area. Era, sorry. 
I, that's a citation of a press of the 17th of September. And from March until the end of October, the show would be staged six times a day. On top of all this, there would be local products for sale. From January to July 2020, there were only mercantile arguments to hear. Then, in view of the growing opposition, there was some effort or some attempt to give an ethic, a moral touch to the project, and they begin to call it transmission of the remembrance or transmission of duty of remembrance. That's not very honest. But I have to rectify one thing. Um, it was not the president of the region who called the thing uh, D-Day Land. The first one who called it like that was the president of the Committee of Landings. And it has, it has uh, been um, taken by the newspapers and the press and the opposition, the opposition groups continue to call it D-Day Land. So that's what I have to say in this point for a moment. <laughs> Perfect. Um, so, Gaylee, I'm curious, um, as a you know, an expat American, as someone who has this long history, very fascinating too. That you're the family owned it since the 30s. I mean, that's that's an in interesting story into its own self. But um, that property you were talking about. Um, but what's your opinion on this? I mean, obviously you're involved. You're very supportive of what Maxi and others are doing on this. How do you feel about this? What is this, you know, what is it, what does it spark within you? Disgust, <laughs> frankly. Uh, it's um, the whole idea that they're trying to, to make money on, on the, shall we say, on the deaths of people. This is what's supposed to be so exciting to make a, a show, a spectacle out of this. And it, it is the avowed purpose of this project. To just to keep tourists in the region for another between two and three more days. And that's why they are building this. Of course, the, the president of this particular region wants to promote the economic and financial security of this region. Um, that's laudable. That's what he's supposed to be doing. But they've made a mistake on how they, they're going to go about that. I don't feel that this is at all respectful for anybody concerned. This is not the way to keep a local economy going. And I'm curious, and maybe this is for Gailey first, and then we'll ask, ask Maxie this. Obviously, you you are both passionate about it, and there's a, there's a growing group of people who are opposed to this. What is the sort of the broader local public opinion? You know, do you or do you think that you your voice and your perspective is representative of that? Are there people who say, "Ah, this is good. It's good for the region. We need to make more money." Are there? I mean, I'm sure that there's some of those, but what would you say the general opinion is about something like this? Well, I think that, that Maxie will be able to give you a, a better idea because she lives here on a permanent basis. However, uh, in the time that uh, that I am here and I, that I talk to people about this, um, I, I get everything from A to Z. Uh, there are some people who say, "Well, yeah, who, you know, whoever, however we can make some money, however we can get some, get some things going in this region, you know, that's fair game." But of the people I speak to, that's by far the minority. The majority of people are shocked, very shocked. Maxie, 
Would you agree with that? Do you sort of the opinions yes. all over the place, but most people are opposed? Most people are opposed, uh, included the youngsters. The youngsters don't like this project. Perhaps sometimes their first reactions, oh, that would be great. But when you begin to explain what that means, they understand and some understand directly without explanation. So it's interesting. I don't think probably, I mean, uh, neither of you know this, but I, I cut my teeth um, as a preservationist working in battlefield preservation here in the United States. And one of the fights I led was to prevent the building of a casino at the Gettysburg battlefield. Oh. So, um, so there, there's no end to bad ideas. Um, you guys have not cornered the market on bad ideas. Um, we, we have a, a host of bad ideas here as well. And it seems like someone is always trying to make a buck on this. And the question I have for you is, you know, even though the idea of a Gettysburg casino is so repulsive, it, it very well could have happened if there wasn't opposition. Um, and so I'm curious, what's the, what's the latest on the project, Maxi? Is there, is it possible that this still happens? Has, has the pandemic and COVID um, slowed it down? When would there be a decision made on whether or not this will move forward? Who makes that decision? So um, in October 20, there was the first and only public representation of the project. And there the promoters told that they would take one year to write the scenario. And since that uh, evening, we don't have any news about the project, exactly about the project of the spectacle. We have sometimes some news of the mayor of the town of Carentan, Carentan in La Manche, who wants to have this project in his uh, town. Yes, you can't understand. And it, it, it's projected on an um, past American military hospital and past um, German prisoners camp, German prisoners, and an original park. So we hear sometimes things about uh, administrative acts going on uh, in order to buy or to look to try to buy the area, but nothing very uh, concrete. The opposition is growing. Uh, we have now a list of opposition groups that makes uh, veterans still alive, mm -hmm. French veterans still alive. We are looking for American veterans still alive. That would be great. Um, British veterans still alive and living in Normandy. We have several uh, veterans associations who are against uh, British, uh, essentially British uh, veterans organizations. We have the Association of Resistant Fighters, French resistant fighters who are opposed. We have uh, more than 27 uh, signatures from an online petition made by a group uh, in the north of Paris. But uh, that's, uh, we're not sure that that will be enough. 
We have the members of the committees, now there are five committees. All the political groups in opposition to Mr. Moran, to the president of the region, are opposed to the project. Um, there are uh, presidents of associations who are, who are sponsoring graves and things like that who are opposed. A lot of individuals. The Coastal Forces Veterans Association, the Polar Bears Association, the British associations, um, deputies are opposed, and uh, now about 500 signatures of an open letter made up by our five committees. And these people represent about more than um, four, five thousand or six thousand people because they're signatures of um, of associations. And we have two support of former um, of associations of concentration camps. And that's very wow. precious. And associations of human uh, interest, like um, the I translate immediately uh, the um, movement for um, against racism and for um, friendship between the peoples, and uh, uh, syndicates like the Farmers Confederation and uh, um, a movement for peace and other and ecological associations to a lot of ecological associations are against. That's to, to make a, a summary. Well, there's, there's obviously opposition. Um, and maybe let's take a quick break here. And when we come back, we can talk about um, what else you're working on and how people can get involved, where they can find more information. And we'll do that right here in PreserveCast. This week's PreserveCast is sponsored by Historic Roofing. Historic Roofing is your old house specialist. They're a small, family-run company of master craftsmen providing clients with consultations and expertise in restoration, maintenance, and repair in the lost arts and crafts of slate, tile, and architectural metal roofing since 1990. Historic Roofing has saved many prominent buildings in the Washington metropolitan area. To learn more about Historic Roofing's many services, visit historicroofingcompany.com or better yet, give us a call at 410 741 0572. They'd love to discuss the history of your building and what its history holds. We want to thank Oliver Pluff and Company for sponsoring today's episode of PreserveCast. Oliver Pluff and Company tells the story of historic American beverages, including teas, spice drinks, cacao, and coffee for historic sites, national parks, gourmet markets, and consumers looking for a great beverage hand-packaged in signature artisan tins to enjoy a cup of history and learn more about what oliver pluff and company offers please visit oliverpluff.com that's oliver pluff spelled p-l-u-f-f.com before we get back to the episode we're pleased to offer our listeners a 10 percent off discount on all Oliver Pluff teas, toddies, cacaos, and coffees. Just use the code PRESERVECAST at checkout. That's P-R-E-S-E-R-V-E-C-A-S-T. PRESERVECAST at checkout over at oliverpluff.com. This is Nick Redding. You're listening to PRESERVECAST. Today, we're thrilled to be talking with Gailey Tishbarek as well as Maxi Kroos. 
Um, and we're talking all about um, the preservation of a place that is important to people around the world, uh, the landing sites and the, the, the fighting um, fields in and around Normandy, in the beaches at Normandy. Um, we were talking about Carentan and other um, communities around there, and, and Maxi was laying out really the, the broad opposition from um, you know, environmental groups to veterans groups to preservation groups. So I'm curious, I mean, uh, is this the, are there established preservation organizations like yours that are working on other issues or is this the, the primary issue right now? Um, what else is going on with respect to preservation in Normandy? Oh, <laughs> that's a huge question. Um, for what's uh, our uh, committee, we um, we were born five years ago. It was not uh, in order to struggle against the D-Day land, but when our problems like D-Day land or former other problems, we we go active. We begin to be active. Ecological ecological associations are active around uh, without this d-day they took in d-day because they're fighting for ecological preservation and for uh, fighting against the climate change and so on and we have to look um, to have a look on uh, plans for land use which are being developed and we have to say our word or to make press work, uh, newspaper work, in order to say, take care. Um, you make too much. Uh, you of um, gaspillage terrain, Gaeli. Can you help me? Wasting, wasting land, land waste against land, uh, land wasting. Yeah, it's a obviously it's a. It's a it's a big it's a big landscape. I mean, you're talking about a large area too. This is not just a, a small specific area. Normandy is a very big area, so there's there's a lot of of you know, places and important resources to protect. Um, you mentioned before um, we took our break that there were you know people were signing on to letters and that things like that were happening. Um, I'm curious. Um, is there a way for Americans listening to this, or really anyone from across the globe that are listening to this, to be able to support your work? What can they do to make a difference right now? You can do a lot. In the States, around you, you can talk about it. You can write about it. Make articles, broadcast features or television features and then send us these articles so we can forward it to the press, to the newspapers, and to the politicians. You can contact uh, Second War veterans still alive, and your veterans' organizations, their opposition would be very helpful. Write and make sign open letters to the president of the region of Normandy, or to to whom it may concern, that would work too. And to the mayors of Carentan and Bayeux, because there are two towns in the competition. And please, if you do it, always with the committee 
NCC if you do it by mail. Unless that, the letters go immediately to trash. Contact us for signing our collective open letter. Write us mails explaining your opposition. We did a booklet. I can. Uh, we did a booklet about fifty pages with testimonies and uh, mails of uh, American and British descendants of veterans' families. That's helpful. Later, if necessary, and if you can, attack injustice as veterans' organizations or like something like that. And another idea, make translate the book of Bertrand Legendre. I can, Bertrand Legendre, I can send you his name and the title in French, L'Homme Brut, because it's a very good description about the development of the industry of remembrance tourism, because that's a technical term now. Remember, remembrance um, tourism, and that makes a big point of economic. So that's my list, what you can do. Perhaps it's not all, but it's all we can find for the moment. Well, that's, that's wonderful. And, and I um, would say that we have a link to your website in the show notes, so people can click on that and they can find all this information. We'll be connecting people with this and sharing this here in the United States. Um, and you know, we're releasing this right around the anniversary of D-Day, so it'll be top on people's mind. I guess this will be the 76th or 77th, I guess, anniversary of, of D-Day. Um, and so... Um, you know, it's it's timely and, and hopefully it's it's top of mind and, and some American outlets will cover it. Um, Gailey, I'm I'm curious. Um, is have have you heard from any American colleagues or have you talked to folks um, back home about this issue? I mean, I, I would imagine when most Americans find out about it, they wouldn't be supportive. Are are you hearing the same thing from your colleagues over back yes, back home? I yeah, I, I, we've had a, a very nice long letter from from one of them, and but uh, a lot of people I've spoken to, everyone is is quite um, is quite uh, upset about this whole idea. And I must add that um, when I talk to my Parisian friends, um, American or but specifically French, when I bring this up, they say they haven't heard about it necessarily, and they say, "Are you kidding? Is this for real?" <laughs> I mean, they don't even believe it. You know, I mean, it's just so outrageous, this whole yeah. thing. And, and so, uh, yeah, that's, um, yeah. And one thing that, that also is, I think, interesting to know is that um, the people who are supporting, the, who are promoting this particular project, when in their counterattack to, to those of us who, who don't want to see this happen, we are often accused of trying to uh, sabotage their election possibilities as, as if we were, we were all in agreement about who we're voting for. They're probably everybody who is who is opposing this votes in very different ways. In fact, we've never even discussed politics. Uh, I, I don't know, for example, how Maxie votes. She doesn't know how I vote. Um, this has nothing to do with that. But that's the way they're trying to defend themselves. Interesting. Well, we will definitely keep sharing information about this. And as, as new information comes along, we'll make sure that our listeners hear about it and we get updates. Um, before we leave, uh, this is a question we ask anybody who comes on PreserveCast. And we'll say that you can, you, know, you don't you don't have to say um, the, the Normandy 
uh, you know, Bocage country or the, the D-Day landings, because we know you love those places. But if you had to pick a favorite historic site, what might it be? And we'll go with uh, Maxi first. It's difficult. Uh, so I am living in here, so it's not my favorite place because I'm living here. I can't talk about it. But for me, the most interesting in my own life and in my own history is Berlin because a symbol for a war and after war and all what happens, what happened after the war. And um, so I'm very attached to this place because you can find there everything and you can see history. Yeah. Hard, hard to go wrong with Berlin. That's a, that's a pretty good answer. Um, Gay Lee, I'm curious. You've, you've been all over the world. I'm sure it's going to be tough. Well, um, I'm very attached to historical sites in Rome, Italy, where I lived. However, I would say that the most moving site was actually in Verdun, uh, World War World War One. My grandfather, who was American, was actually fighting here in Europe for World War One, um, and uh, he was a scout at 16 years old, as a matter of fact. Um, and that was very, very moving. And and you know, there's no show, there's no spectacle, there's no play. It's a cemetery. And you see, you see where these villages were, then there's nothing left. That's moving. You don't need to have a show. I think that that's a fantastic way to end the conversation. What a what a good final statement and a connection to a historic place and also a statement on Everything that you guys are working against, you have uh, you have my full support, and uh, I uh, I definitely appreciate you guys joining us today, and uh, look forward to hearing from you, and look forward to hearing that you've defeated this proposal. So thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to PreserveCast. To dig deeper into this episode's story, head over to PreserveCast.org for show notes and our collection of previous episodes. Don't forget to engage with this podcast by subscribing, commenting, and leaving a review. Follow along on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at PreserveCast for even more. PreserveCast is currently recorded in Walkersville, Maryland, and sponsored by the 1772 Foundation, and powered by Preservation Maryland. Thanks for listening, and keep on preserving.